Welcome back to The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG-FM. I'm Jeremiah Jacques, and I'd like to launch right into today's episode by telling you about a man who many historians and analysts say saved the world. That may sound like an exaggeration, but after hearing this account, even though today may be your first time ever even hearing his name, you might come to feel that you really could owe him your life. This story begins during a very tense part of the Cold War. The Cold War was the rivalry between the United States and the Soviet Union that played out globally for several decades there in the 20th century. And now the world had, of course, seen all kinds of geopolitical struggles between major powers before the Cold War, but this was the first time that the war could have led to the annihilation of all mankind. That was brand new for world history. And it was because it was the first confrontation in which both sides had stockpiles of nuclear weapons. By the 1980s, both sides had built up massive arsenals of nuclear-armed missiles. And the U.S. had thousands of its missiles pointed at targets in the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union had thousands of its missiles pointed at targets in America. These stockpiles were so huge that the United States and the Soviet Union agreed on a strategy that is very appropriately called MAD, or M-A-D, which stands for Mutually Assured Destruction. Basically, that meant that both the U.S. and the Soviet Union knew that if one of them attacked the other, then the other side would retaliate with equal or greater force, and the result would be mutual, total, and assured destruction for both sides. For the most part, no one, whether they were American or Russian or any other nationality, wanted destruction, but no one knew what would happen. So it was a tense time. Many of you listeners probably remember doing drills in school where all of the students would quickly get under their desks as a way of uh, practicing for how to react if America found out that the Soviets had decided to launch a surprise nuclear attack. My parents both participated in those drills when they were children in school, and they said that they were really scared by the implications of them and by everything their teachers were telling them about the possibility of nuclear war. I don't think school desks would actually be very effective at uh, deflecting nuclear radiation, but the drills show how tense things often were during this Cold War era. There was just so much that was unknown, and there was so much fear on both sides. Well, that was the basic geopolitical climate on the night of September 26th, 1983. That's the night when Stanislav Petrov settled into his chair at the Serpokov 15 secret bunker, which was located on the outskirts of Moscow. Stanislav Petrov was a software engineer, and he was also a lieutenant colonel in the Soviet Air Defense Forces. And that night, he was in charge of overseeing the graveyard shift at the bunker. Now, this bunker was home to the command center for the Soviet Union's early warning satellite system. The whole purpose of that system was to tell the Soviets if the United States had fired any missiles at them. 
it would basically give the Soviets time to say, hey, America has fired nuclear weapons at us. The missiles are in the air right now, so we have to launch a nuclear counterattack on America before those missiles get here and destroy us. And Petrov's job was to watch a computer screen. Just to watch that screen all night long to see if any American missiles were headed toward the Soviet Union. His job, if the screen showed that missiles were coming, was to press a red button that would basically start a counterattack. Now, some may think, hey, this was 1983. This was a time when the tensions were not actually that high anymore. And no one could have really believed at this time that the U.S. would have suddenly fired nuclear weapons at the Soviet Union. But it was an incredibly tense time. The leader of the Soviet Union was Yuri Andropov. He was the most fanatical Soviet ruler since Stalin. He was a hardliner and a loose cannon in many ways, and he was extremely wary of the United States. And also, just three weeks before this night, the Soviet military had shot down a South Korean civilian airliner, which had killed... 269 passengers, many of whom were American citizens. One of them was even a U.S. congressman. The plane had accidentally veered off course, and the Soviets said that they thought it was on a spy mission, so Andropov had it shot down. That happened on September 1st, 1983, and it infuriated U.S. President Ronald Reagan. In response to it, Reagan came out and said, the Soviet Union was an evil empire. Reagan also said that downing the plane was, quote, a crime against humanity that must never be forgotten. Just after Reagan said that, many authorities in the Soviet Union started to believe that the United States was planning an imminent nuclear strike on them, just to get back at them for shooting down their airliner. The Soviet Intelligence Bureau, the KGB, even told its Western operatives that they should be prepared for nuclear war to erupt. So September of 1983 was actually one of the most combustible months in the entire Cold War. And it was at the very height of all this tension, just three weeks after the Soviets had shot that plane down, just three weeks after Reagan had called them an evil empire, and the Soviets started to really believe the U.S. would retaliate with a nuclear attack, that Stanislav Petrov started his shift. Watching the screen of that early warning system there in the secret bunker. He was tired that night. He had already worked a full eight-hour shift earlier in the day, and this was just the start of another one. Well, everything went normally at first. The computers were all humming along. It seemed like an uneventful shift, which is exactly what you would hope for in a position like that. And Petrov was not the only person in the bunker. There were actually about 120 other military officers and engineers there. But he was in charge. He was the highest-ranking officer present and the one who called the shots. This post was actually not a normal one for Mr. Petrov. Monitoring the system was not his normal duty. He, uh, he only worked in that post about twice per month, mostly just to keep his skills in that area from getting rusty. Well, pretty early into his shift, 
Shortly after midnight, Petrov was watching the monitor, and suddenly the unthinkable happened. There it was as plain as day. The monitor showed one American Minuteman III intercontinental ballistic missile flying toward the Soviet Union from the U.S. Petrov knew that the Minuteman III carried three nuclear warheads of up to 500 kilotons each. That's a staggering amount of destructive power. Yet it's also far less than he would have expected from an American attack. It was just one missile. Just one. They had always believed that if and when the time came, the Americans would rain down hundreds or even thousands of missiles. But on his monitor, there was just this one. Well, the 120 military officers and engineers there, they were all terror-stricken. They all believed this was it. The Americans had initiated a nuclear attack. And they felt that they were duty-bound to launch a counterattack. That was the procedure. That was the whole reason why they were all there in the bunker in the middle of the night watching the early warning system. They all knew that it was time for the man in charge, Petrov, to push the red button. Pressing the button would have told Yuri Andropov, the Soviet leader, that an American nuclear missile was screeching toward the Soviet Union. And they all knew that once the impulsive Andropov received that alert, he would waste not a second launching a full-scale counterattack. Well, these 120 men looked at Stanislav Petrov, waiting for him to press the button. That was the procedure. That was what he had to do. Petrov looked at the monitor and at the image of a missile on it, and he looked at the red button. But he wondered, could it just be a glitch? Could it just be a problem with the software or with the satellites? He remembered the Korean airliner that his people had shot down and all the Americans that were on board. He remembered President Reagan saying it was a crime against humanity that could never be forgotten. He remembered his own superiors telling him that they expected a nuclear attack from America in response to the downing of that plane. But he thought, could Reagan really be that crazy? And also, why just one missile? Could it be that the Americans were a lot more incompetent than Petrov had always thought? But then he wondered if this one missile may have accidentally been launched early and if the whole barrage of them would soon follow. That would mean the time to counterattack was at hand. Petrov remembered all that was at stake if a nuclear war really broke out. He thought of his family and of all the suffering that would happen for both sides, he thought about planet Earth being scorched and all the people being wiped out. Petrov knew that he had less than 15 minutes to decide what to do before the missiles would detonate on his country. And he knew that this actually was not even his decision to make. The protocol was very clear. He was required to push the button, and that would pass the alert along to Andropov, 
who would then make the final decision. But Petrov, like everyone else in the room with him, knew that for Andropov, there would be no hesitation or deliberating. He would immediately unleash a firestorm of Soviet nuclear missiles on the Americans. Well, Petrov finally made a judgment call. He decided that it must be a glitch. Even if the Americans had accidentally fired one missile early, they would not have waited so long to fire the rest of them. He took a breath. There will be no war today. Everything is okay. But then, a second missile appeared on his screen. And then a third, and then a fourth, and then a fifth. Five missiles. That was a total of 15 nuclear warheads, seven megatons, all headed toward Petrov's homeland. It looked like there was no other explanation. It looked like the Americans really were attacking the Soviet Union. Petrov thought maybe they were launching their attack in tiny waves to confuse the Soviets. Petrov was baffled. The 120 men with him were panic-stricken. They could not believe that Petrov hadn't yet pressed the red button. And there the button was, flashing. Petrov looked at it. The button waited. His pulsating fingertip rested on it. Petrov knew that even if this was a glitch, disobeying orders would have ruined any chance he had at being promoted and continuing on in his career successfully. Would he have to leave the military? What else could he do? What were his other marketable job skills? Would he be sent to prison for violating protocol? And then the bigger questions returned to him. What if it was real? What if this was the day that World War III began? Five glowing lights on the screen. Five missiles. Five American Minuteman threes and five billion people on Earth. Was it all about to be scorched in a nuclear holocaust? It still didn't make sense to Petrov. How could it be just five missiles? The Americans were not incompetent. They were smart. And they didn't want war. And Reagan was not crazy. They could not be intentionally doing such a destructive thing. Could they? A few minutes earlier, Petrov's biggest decision had been whether or not he would have a cup of tea while he monitored the screen. Now, he had to decide whether to press the button that would start global nuclear war and possibly kill those five billion people. The flashing button at his fingertip waited on Petrov. When we come back we'll learn about the difficult judgment call that Petrov made and talk a little about why this momentous event didn't even make one single headline when it happened back in 1983. We'll also discuss a little about what each one of us can learn from this obscure chapter of Cold War history. You're listening to The Sun Also Rises on KPCG, 101.3 on the FM dial here in Edmond, and the live stream is available at kpcg.fm. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to The Sun Also Rises. If you'd like to email the program, send those comments our way by emailing tsar at kpcg.fm. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. That will help others to find the program. Well, in the first half, we talked about Stanislav Petrov and an incredibly tense, combustible moment in Cold War history. There was Mr. Petrov watching his computer monitor. It showed five American Minuteman III missiles screeching toward his homeland, the Soviet Union. His comrades were all panicking. They couldn't understand why Petrov had not pressed the red button to start the counterattack against America. These 120 men were screaming for Petrov to press the button. He had to press it. Petrov knew he was at a critical juncture. The missiles were on the monitor, plain as day, headed toward the Soviet Union. He knew he had to make a judgment call. A judgment call that he thought could kill all five billion people on Earth at the time. If he decided not to launch a counterattack, he would be the hapless fool who had let his wife, his children, his friends, and everyone in his country burn out of cowardice. But if he decided to launch it and there was not actually an American attack, then he would be the man who had ignited nuclear World War III. Well, Petrov made a judgment, and he decided not to press the red button. He decided the problem was not capitalist aggression, but just a faulty satellite system. And he decided he would not play his assigned role in the end of the world. And it turned out that he was right. It had been a false alarm. It was actually sunlight over the American skies that was glinting off a cloud in a way that triggered a false alarm on the Soviet system. There were no missiles. The next morning... The sun came up on a normal day in Moscow, and Petrov went home. He could finally enjoy that cup of tea. Petrov made the right call, and the world kept on turning. But since he had not followed protocol, he was reassigned to a post of absolutely no importance. He had no hope of advancing in his career, and soon after that he ended up retiring from the military. And no one knew what he had done on that night. The Soviet government was embarrassed by the failure of their technology, so they said Petrov and all the other men were not allowed to discuss it, even with their own families. The government kept the story totally classified for many years. And then in 1998, after the Soviet Union had collapsed, the Russian government declassified the story. And one of Petrov's fellow officers published a book about what happened that night. So then, Petrov's family and other people could finally know that he was a hero. Many experts believe that in terms of the number of lives he saved, Petrov may be one of the greatest heroes of all time. In 2004, he was given the World Citizens Award. 
And then in 2006, he was invited to appear before the United Nations. And then in 2013, he won the prestigious Dresden Prize for averting World War III. Petrov is 77 years old now, and he lives in a small village outside of Moscow in relative anonymity. And he lives on a pension of just about $200 per month. But I think this story is a valuable one for us to think about because it shows the importance of sound judgment. Each one of us has to make tough judgments all through our lives. And even though the fate of mankind may not hang in the balance the way it seemed to have been for Mr. Petrov, the stakes for each of us can still be high. I'd like to read a quote from Mr. Gerald Flurry, who hosts the Key of David show here on KPCG. In one Key of David episode, he talked about the importance of sound judgment. He said, You have to make judgments about just about everything in life, and you have to weigh the evidence and then try to make a sound judgment. That's the way our minds work. You get all the evidence you can and try to make a sound judgment or a good judgment if you're doing it the right way. And then from there, Mr. Flurry goes on to point to Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23 in which Jesus Christ says judgment is one of the weightier matters of the law. Sound judgment is one of the most important virtues a person can develop. The absence of it can lead to all kinds of calamity and disasters, but the presence of it can help us to live stable lives and to bring stability and joy into the lives of others. It's a rare virtue, but one that's worth striving to develop and to develop more of. And an excellent way to do that would be to order Mr. Fleury's free book, How to Be an Overcomer. Just go to thetrumpet.com and click on the literature tab, and you can either read it online right there or order a free hard copy of this very important book, How to Be an Overcomer. I also wanted to mention that uh, anyone who's read much of KPCG's affiliate magazine, The Philadelphia Trumpet, or the predecessor magazine, The Plain Truth, would know that we view one aspect of the Cold War differently than most analysts. Even when the tensions between the U.S. and the USSR were at their very worst, we always said it would not erupt into nuclear war. We always maintained that the Cold War would not become a hot war on a full scale. And that's because Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong the editor-in-chief of The Plain Truth, had a deep understanding of Bible prophecies. And he saw that those prophecies said the U.S. did not need to fear being annihilated by the Soviet Union. You can read all about that insight in our free booklet, He Was Right. Uh, Just go to thetrumpet.com there and click on the literature tab, because time proved that Mr. Armstrong was right about that. But I wanted to mention that in the context of this account of Stanislav Petrov and the tough judgment call that he made, because it just makes you wonder if Petrov may have even been guided or influenced in a way not to press the button on that fateful night. 
maybe pressing it would not have erupted into a major war. Maybe both sides would have realized it was all a big misunderstanding and quickly backed down somehow. We can't know exactly how it would have played out. But if pressing that button would have resulted in full-scale nuclear war, then it would have not fit into God's plan. So it just made me wonder if Petrov could have been guided in a way to make the tough judgment call that he made. We know that there are many instances in the Bible of God guiding people in positions of authority to make judgment calls so that events would unfold according to his plan. So it's, uh, it's just something that's interesting to consider. Well, we really appreciate your listening to The Sun Also Rises today and hope that you'll send us your feedback and comments to tsar at kpcg.fm. I would like to thank the KPCG operations manager, Mr. Dwight Falk, and the production assistant, Abraham Blondeau. And I'll leave you with these words from Oklahoma's own Will Rogers. Good judgment comes from experience, and a lot of that comes from bad judgment. Well, thank you again, and please tune in next Thursday for another new episode.